Good morning, Christ City Church. How are y'all? Good morning, saints of God. I'm going to tell you, I'm very churchy. So <laughs> I'll make any apologies about that. As you can see, I'm clearly very churchy. And so um, first, uh, giving honor to God, who is the head of my life. I do also want to honor the pastors of the house, Pastor Matthew, Pastor Justin, Andrea. Thank you all for giving me the honor of standing behind the sacred desk. I do not take that for granted. I'm excited to be able to preach an encouraging word. I don't get to do that often. I usually have to say hard things. Today I get to say good things for once. So thank you, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Um, and I also do want to acknowledge uh, my family, my sister, my brother-in-law, and my niece, Mayanna. <laughs> I'm an auntie now, so I can't stop talking about that. And my um, honorary sister, Afia, and my friend, Eugene, who came to support me. I appreciate you all. Um, so Lauren, I want to say thank you so much for sharing um, your story. Thank you for sharing your story, particularly about Zaire. And I do pray that you all would partner with her and see how you can make that mirror will become a reality. Um, it's important for us to uphold the memory of those who have been slain and lost to gun violence. So what you're doing is really important, OK? Um, so. Why don't I pray? I need Holy Ghost power to preach today because I've been um, talking all weekend and my voice is more raspier than usual. If you listen to me, you know my voice is already raspy, but it's raspier today, y'all. Okay, so let me pray. Uh, Father God, thank you for your loving kindness and your grace. Thank you that this is a day that you have made, O oh Lord. Help us to rejoice and be glad in it, O oh God. Uh, I just pray, O oh Lord, that you would give me the anointing that makes preaching easy, O oh Lord. Um, that you would help me to preach with boldness, with grace, with truth, and with love. I pray, oh God, that everybody under the sound of my voice, that their affections for Jesus Christ will be stirred, that their faith would grow, uh, that they would be convicted of sin and, convict and convinced of righteousness, oh God. So help me to decrease um, that Jesus Christ might increase, oh Lord. Uh, and yeah, just have your way and be glorified, Lord. I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So. All right, so is it just me, or has 2018 flown? <laughs> like, how is it October 4th? It's October 14th, right? Okay, how is it October 14th already? I am just not understanding this. Um, we are in the last quarter of the year, and before you know it, Christmas will be here. And um, if you're anything like me, I tend to get a little anxious. Can I confess? Is it okay? Is this a grace space? Can I confess my anxieties to y'all? Um, I tend to get a little anxious about the new year. I'm often wondering or worried um, about what the new year might hold. Will it be a good year or will it be a bad year? What does that look like uh, for me? And, and I know that on this side, uh, every year is, is mixed, you know, with some good things and, and some bad things. That's life in the fallen world, in, in, in a fallen world, I should say. But however, I think that we can all attest to the fact that there are actual good years and actual bad years, right? Right? Um, so the good years are often marked by what? A job promotion, home purchase, good health, marriage, maybe a move depending on how you feel about moves, <laughs> right? Marriage, the birth of a ch um, children, right? Uh, and good friendships, whether they be new or old, right? That's usually what we, we would say, that it was a good year. Now, bad years, right, typically are marked by a failed business venture or a failed startup, right? Uh, divorce, student loan debt that we cannot seem to make any headway on. Am I, 
Do I have any witnesses in here? All right. Job layoff, right? Uh, or a sudden death in the family. So the latter tragedy is where the widow in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, finds herself. So why don't we turn there? And as you're turning there, or uh, flipping there, I don't know. <laughs> so the title of this message is The Oil Won't Run Out. The Oil Won't Run Out. So we are in 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. All right? And I'm going to now, because I said I am traditional and churchy, I'm going to ask you all to stand for the reading of the word. I will read it. I won't make you read it with me. I will read it. Um, so let's see. Okay, so let's, let's see here. Let's see. Let's learn from the widow. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7. Let's see how God made a way for the widow. And I will start here. Verse 1. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. Elisha's name means um, God is salvation. All right? Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slave, his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your, neighbor, your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Here ends the reading of the word. You may have your seats now. So uh, in this uh, passage of scripture, I'm going to tell you right now what we're going to learn. I got three points and then I'm out of your way. Okay. The first point is that we're going to learn to tell God our need or your need, however you want to put that. The second is that faith is a community project. And the third and final point, my favorite one, is the oil won't run out. Okay. The oil won't run out. So three points. All right, so why don't I start in verse 1? So we're going to learn to tell God our need. Verse 1 reads, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. So we see here that the widow and her husband feared the Lord. The widow's husband was actually counted among the sons of the prophets, right? And so this was a group of true prophets of the Lord who followed a prominent prophet. Uh, the scriptures actually make mention of this group of prophets in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 5, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 20, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, and 2 Kings verse, um, chapter 4, verse 1. Another indication that the widow was a believer is that she went to the prophet Elisha and sought help from him. Now, during those days, people actually often turned to false gods or false prophets um, for help instead of turning to God. In fact, in, um, uh, a king in 2 Kings chapter 1 actually did that very thing and was killed for doing so. All right. And so the widow cried out to the prophet Elisha, whose name means God is salvation. Prophets are God's representatives on the earth. They were God's mouthpiece, quite literally. 
They spoke God's word to the people and did mighty works in God's name. The widow was desperate and in need of God's salvation in an earthly or temporal sense, right? Um, and during this time, and this was before Christ's advent, right? So going to the prophet was like going to God himself. And in our American context, I know it's difficult for us to imagine, but uh, this, this widow was, this was a dire straits that this widow was in. She was in a true um, suffering, right? Because uh, back in biblical times in the ancient Near East, to be a widow in that patriarchal society without a husband and sons to provide for you was to live under the threat, imminent threat of death. So widows and orphans were the most vulnerable in society. And here in this verse, we see that the widow has two sons, but her creditor has paid her a visit and came to collect his debts. She has been served a past due notice. Anybody gotten a past due notice? That's okay. You don't have to lift your hands. You don't. Just agree in your heart. Agree in your heart. Um, and the creditor is going to take her two sons. The only good things that she has left, right, in this world, the creditor is prepared to snatch away from her and take them as bond servants, okay, so that she, they can work off the debt that she and her late husband actually owe. And now this example that I have, it pales in comparison, but think about when you, either you co-sign a loan or somebody co-sign a loan for you. You know, when you had to buy a car or your student loan debt um, and you failed to pay, who do they come to collect the money from? The co-signer, right? Somebody has to pay. They're gonna get their money one way or another, right? Verse two, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar, a jar of oil. So here we see Elisha asking the widow to articulate her need. She did not mince words. She did not beat around the bush. Her, the bush. her desperation drove her to tell God her need. She said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Oh, that we might learn from this widow how important it is to just tell God our need. Not, not, don't be prideful, not try to figure things on our, on our own, but really cry out to God and just tell God plainly what we need. He knows already anyway. So Elisha stands there as God's representative. And as you can see in this verse, Elisha says, what shall I do for you? God is standing at the ready to meet our needs, and he delights to do so. And so if um, he only asks that we actually tell him our need. And so we, and James says, we have not because we ask not. So let us go boldly to God's throne of grace, right, where we can just ask God for anything and everything that we need. So tell God your need. Second point, faith is a community project. Verse 3 says, reads, then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. So according to uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Faith is being sure of what we hope for, but certain of what we do not see. The widow was sure of her hope, uh, for her hope that she could pay her debts so that the creditor would not take away her sons to be, their, to be the creditor's slaves, right? She was certain that she had nothing in her house except for a jar of oil. She knew that. Now, sometimes God will require you to go public with your need by asking others for something that will actually meet your need. Elisha said to her, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. He required her to go big and get as many vessels as she could. Faith is a community project. In order for her to get the provision that she needed, she had to ask her neighbors for vessels. 
Not only were her neighbors, her, uh, uh, her neighbor's vessels needed, her sons were also included, as we see in verses four and five, right? Which read, then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, uh, they brought the vessels to her. So our faith in God must, be, must express itself in obedience to God's commands, even when we are not given the reasons why. So there was a time many moons ago um, when I used to be in corporate America. Um, I used to do pharmaceutical sales. And that is a very cushy job. They give you a um, company card. They give you a gas card. Uh, they give you a credit card. They pay for your insurance. I'm trying to remember all the oh, cell phone. They give you everything, OK? Everything but a house. And so, um, so it's a really cushy job, making a lot of money. You get, in, you get a new car every two years. Um, and so it's a fancy job. They call it um, the golden handcuffs, because you don't just up and leave a pharmaceutical job, typically, anyway. So uh, one day, I got um, an email from our VP, terrifying, traumatic, uh, that he was in town and wanted to meet with me. And I'm like, wait, what? And so I reached out to my boss, like, what's going on? My boss says, oh, I got that call too. And I guess everybody on the team got the call. And I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound good. He said, oh, don't worry. It's all good. And I'm like, and so, um, so we, get our, our, uh, we get our designated times to go in and meet with the VP. Go in, this is the day before my birthday, this is May 25th, many, uh, like 2011, somewhere around there. Um, go in and get the ax. Find out I don't have a job anymore. My boss doesn't have a job anymore. Nobody, they got rid of our whole sales team. Such a traumatic experience. I was like, what do I do? Like, what's gonna happen? Um, so with that job loss, obviously I lost my car. It was the only car I had, right? I just was depending on the company car. Lost the car, lost all those perks, the gas card, had to start paying insurance. Well, actually, I didn't have a car anymore, so that was gone. Um, I'm like, what is going on? It's such a traumatic experience. So my church at the time was doing a fundraiser uh, to raise funds, I think, for the building or to move to another facility. I can't remember. It was many years ago. Um, but part of that fundraiser was that they had three cars that they were raffling off. So whoever sold the most raffle tickets could win the car. So this required me, because I didn't have a car anymore. I was walking everywhere to grocery store in California. Okay, this is not the East Coast, all right? So <laughs> not, having, not having a car in California is like, just, uh, it's an impossible situation. And so it was a true struggle. And so, uh, so anyway, so I'm, I had to go to my community and announce on Facebook and rally people to buy raffle tickets so that I could win one of the cars, right? It was a 97 Infiniti Q45. Um, and a used car, and by God's grace, I did actually win that raffle, but it required me to go out, right? Um, and to, to exercise faith in my community that they would hopefully help me, right, and come through. And that car was uh, old faithful, it lasted me for a good six years. It made it through these Philly winters. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm, I live in Philly, I forgot to tell y'all that. Um, you know, but RIP, the, the car is gone now. But uh, all that to say that faith truly is, it is a community project, all right? And pride is a barrier to blessing. Don't, do not keep your mouth shut. Open up your mouth and tell people, tell God what you need, but tell others too, okay? Faith is a community project. All right, so the third and final point here, the oil won't 
run out. This is my favorite part. Okay, so when the vessels, I'm going to read from uh, verse 6. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. So in verse 6, the widow's faith is so tangible. After filling vessel after vessel, filling them to the brim, she was eager to continue doing so, which is evident in her command to her son, bring me another vessel. And he replied, saying, there is not another. So when the vessels ran, um, when the vessels ran out, the oil stopped flowing. Have y'all ever like, been in that season in life where you see God moving like, Ooh, God answered that prayer. Let me see what else he could do. Let me, let me ask him this. Oh, steps. He opened that one. Oh, he's opened that door. He's opened this one. We've been there, right? And that's where the widow is at. She's like, bring me more vessels. Bring me more. Son's like, there aren't any more. Okay, so the oil stops flowing. So at this point, you're probably wondering, okay, well, if the oil stopped flowing, then why is the title of the message, the oil won't run out? Now, keep that message, I mean, that, that question in mind as I read verse 7. Um, the answer is actually found here. So she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. So as I stated in the beginning of the message, prophets are God's representatives on the earth. They were God's mouthpiece, right? They spoke God's word to the people and did mighty works in God's name. Uh, Elisha, whose name means God is salvation, is a prophet. Uh, he was a prophet that was empowered by God to do miracles. Like other prophets in the Old Testament, the prophet Elisha's ministry foreshadows the Lord Jesus Christ's own ministry, who is the prophet, priest, and king, right? The miracles that Elisha performed mirrored the miracles that Christ did or would do, right, from the vantage point of the Old Testament. Multiplying the widow's oil is the first miracle that Elisha performed on behalf of someone. Now, in the book of uh, John, chapter 2, the first sign miracle that Jesus did was to turn water into wine, right? Jesus' miracles attest to him as Messiah and the arrival of God's kingdom and reign. He came to die for us so that we would be reconciled to God and have peace with God. He died for us while we were yet his enemies, and we were the ones exclaiming, crucify him, right? Now, while Jesus hung on that rugged cross, he cried out to God, Father, and God the Father, quoting actually Psalm 22, verse 1, which says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ was forsaken on the cross so that we will never, ever be forsaken by God. Jesus bore the full weight of sin, died a gruesome death. He was buried. He was resurrected from the dead. Brothers and sisters, we are united to Christ. We have died with him. We are raised with him. And the Holy Spirit now dwells within, right? And like the widow, we are God's children. The widow believed and died in hope of Jesus Christ's arrival, right? We believe in light of what Christ has already done. We're on the back end of the cross, if you will. Um, so when we look at 2 Kings chapter uh, 4, verses 1 through 7, and we see the prophet Elijah telling the widow to sell the oil, pay her debts, and live off, the live off the rest, we ought to see that the oil won't run out. The oil here is the oil of God's provision. God always exceeds our greatest desires and requests. Although the widow sold the oil, God's provision sustained her for the rest of her days, and her sons remain in her care. Sisters and brothers, the oil won't run out. I don't know what you are believing God for in 2018. I don't. Maybe it hasn't yet come to pass, and you're staring at the calendar wondering if God will come through for you this year. Maybe you've concluded that it's too late. For God to move on what you've been praying for. 
for years, perhaps. Perhaps you believe that your time has passed. The ship has sailed, right? And you have taken the inactivity as a no from God. Because God does say no to some of our prayers, but, well, actually a lot of them. So, <laughs> sometimes. So, you've taken that inactivity, though, as a no um, from God uh, to your prayers, you know, and you, that you've been praying. Faith says it's not too late, though. Faith says God's arms are not too short to reach down into your situation and change it. Faith says keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. Faith says don't get weary in well-doing. Faith says God sees you and knows you by name. Faith says every one of your days has been written down before any one of them came to be. Every single one of them. Saints of God, though the vessels are empty, the oil won't run out. The oil did not run out for our sister, the widow, and it won't run out for us. Let me pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. God, I thank you uh, that your word is... um, is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path, God. I thank you that you are gracious and you're merciful. Uh, Thank you, oh God, uh, for this year. I don't know what kind of year everybody's had in here, Lord. Some may have had the worst year of their lives so far. Some may have the most glorious year of their, their lives, oh God. But I just pray, Father, that those who are standing in faith, particularly those who have been waiting, asking you to come through, oh God, and haven't seen any evidence of your movement, God. I pray, Father God, that you, right now, oh God, would assure them that you see them, that you care, oh Lord, that you love them, oh Lord God, and you're concerned with every intimate detail in their life, Lord. Help them to know that the oil will not run out, oh Lord. Your word says um, uh, uh, that, well actually, we, we exclaim, right, along with um, the, the brother that said it before in Mark 9:24, that we believe but help our unbelief, oh God. Help us, O oh God, to continue to trust and believe, O oh Lord God, that nothing is too hard for you, Lord. And I thank you, O oh God, that when we have those moments of just weak faith, Lord, I thank you that you remember our frame, you know our frame and you remember that we are dust, O oh Lord, and that you're merciful and you're gracious, O oh God. So I just pray, O oh Lord, that everybody here under the sound of my voice will be encouraged, O oh Lord, that their faith will be stirred, that they would continue to look to you, O oh Lord, and hold on to your unchanging hand. Nothing is too hard for you, Lord, and I pray that you would make your provision steadfast and clear in the lives of everybody in here, Lord. And we pray you'll be glorified in our lives. I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.